ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chapeau, editor-at-large at The Block, and joining us today on the other side of the mic is our guest, David Mercer, CEO of LMAX Group, one of the world's leading institutional exchange venues for FX and crypto. We're going to be discussing just the ongoing, what could we call it, David, banking crisis. We used to talk all the time about the ABCs of crypto, and the B just took a big hit. But before we dive into that and the latest narrative shaping the market, we got to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Have you ever wanted to use DeFi without being seen? Railgun is a leading DeFi privacy solution on Ethereum. It's also a leading privacy solution operating across Binance Smart Chain, Arbitrum, and Polygon 2. And yes, that includes DEX trading. DeFi and privacy together at last. Visit railgun.org to find out more. This episode is also brought to you by Flare, an EVM-based Layer 1 blockchain with secure, decentralized access to information from other chains and the internet. Flare's native interoperability protocols provide developers with a variety of high-integrity price and event data, including detailed transaction proofs from other chains and information from Web2 APIs. Build better and connect everything at flare.network. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblock.co slash terms dash service. Once again, I want to thank our guest, David Merce, for joining the show. How have you been? I've been well. It feels like a uh, roller coaster ride. The last three or four years, actually, you sort of um, go from COVID to rates, Russia recession and the macro side. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, in crypto, we've had Bahamian bombshell into Silicon Shocker. Yes, and that's the exact right pronunciation of of the word. I get yelled at for saying Bahamian. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just a Philistine over here, just trying my best. Um, so let's sort of go through at a high level. I mean, today just is just strange, right? You, you actually have Pomp's mantra panning out, in which banks are being shorted and people are long Bitcoin, despite the fact that we have this uncertainty hanging over the space on. Banking relationships here in the U.S. at least. Yeah, look, let's put it in perspective, though, Frank. I think um, the small ten percent bump in crypto prices is tiny compared to the sell-off of bank stocks um, in the U.S. and globally. Look, I, they're almost unconnected, but the truth is, if you're in crypto today, it's not just you know, that individual necessarily, but Bitcoin is is gold of crypto. So the flight to quality for crypto right now would be to go to Bitcoin and perhaps also Ethereum. So that's that's inevitable. I think looking at wider TradFi markets, it's almost irrelevant today in terms of what's happening. So obviously we can follow we can follow the threads, but this currently is a tech tech-led bank run 
And to be fair to the regulators, they've done the right thing. You know, there's mm. three points of regulation, ultimately. You know, protect mm -hmm. consumers, create financial stability, and harness innovation. The only one of those which today hasn't done is perhaps um, is, the, is the last one. It's going to be hard to harness innovation. But as we saw in the Bahamas, you know, there was no protection of consumers. Certainly with that and Terra Luna early in the year, there was no financial stability. But innovation was perhaps prospering. I think yesterday when they step in, um, we've seen a couple of banks closing to stop a, another bank run. It's probably the right decision. So in terms of the macro environment, it's probably a good thing. Mm. Do you think the Fed acted in the best way it could have? I don't see what else they could have done. I mean, what would it have been? If you stand out, what would have happened? Um, yeah. If you stay out of it. I mean, and they're all, sep they're all separate, right? So if you look at, you know, Silvergate was actually an orderly shutdown. Um, I'm not quite sure how that's all going to play out. I mean, the big thing there was their connections to the events in the, in the Bahamas. They had the same problem as SVB in terms of um, mismatch of, of interest rates. Then you've got, SVB basically, I don't know too much about about really how they got themselves in that situation, but it looks pretty obvious in terms of buying longer dated T-bills at lower interest rates when interest rates are popping. From a crypto standpoint, and then you've got Signature, I mean, that was a bit of a shock to everyone, but probably the right thing for the Fed to do because what would have happened to that stock today? And invariably those mismatches would have come to the, the fore again. But as I... As I see it today, I mean, all depositors are made whole, and that's a good thing for crypto and overall for fractional reserve banking. So from a market structure perspective, what does a post-Signet, post-Sen market structure look like for crypto? I mean, these were the rails through which trading firms and exchanges were able to very seamlessly move capital around. I agree. What does it look like now? I think we'll know more in a few weeks. But look, it's going to be shaky. Um, and this is this is U.S. This is all in the U.S., right? Based. So, um, what I'd say at the moment is that U.S. is not a territory for crypto, for mm -hmm. many reasons. And the latest reason is this: in that there's a lack of banking. That said, there's not. Um, you know, an abundance of choice in other territories. So you choose it. Where are you going to go to? The Middle East, Europe, Asia? There's not an abundance of banking of banking choices there either. So that gap, the B of the ABC, adoption, banking, and credit, there's still a gap. So look, we're going to go, I think short term at least, we're going to go crypto only. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It makes it more difficult for everyone. Short term, people are going to be settling more using stable coins, whatever they may be. USDC, I mean, it's 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 dollar-based, so I don't know how long um, that will be permissible, frankly. Then you've got things like Tether. I think there's room globally for perhaps a non-US dollar stable coin, or let's just call it stable collateral that we can move around. Ultimately, you know, all the dollar is is an IOU. So stable collateral IOUs, that's what's going to happen for the crypto evangelists out there, it shouldn't it shouldn't matter, right? It really shouldn't matter because you get into crypto and you stay in you stay in crypto. 
The problem is we were trying to embrace TradFi, and you need to have those fiat on-ramps and off-ramps. As we, as we speak here today, dollar dominating that, there are not very many dollar um, on-ramp and off-ramps available. So that's going to that's gonna develop in the weeks and months ahead. I was, I've been actually thinking about you a lot lately. That might sound weird. It did a little bit, yeah. It sounded a little weird, but I thought about you a week ago because a friend of mine um, was asking me if I wanted to visit her while her parents were taking a trip to the South Pole. Yeah. And that made me think of your rugby expedition up to the North Pole. Yeah. And then I obviously thought about you during the USDC depegging because of something that you said on the show once. Uh, all pegs are meant to be depegged. It is almost like in their essence and nature for this to happen. For sure. Pegs always break. Um, that said, a dollar peg, even now, if you look at a peg in, in this one, if everyone was in T-Bill, still be a peg depending on the interest rate of the T-Bill. But it wouldn't be dramatic. Um, that said, you know, hats off to them really and their auditors because assuming they get the made whole on their SVB balances, then the peg is restored. That, look, this is just truly just dollar collateral. Is it a binary thing, David? Um, like one question I've been grappling with is if they have the money, then it should it should stick to its peg. But there's other people I've talked to who have said, you either trust it or you don't. And if you trust it, it's one to one. If you don't, it's zero. <laughs> no, I disagree with that. But look, depending, oh, you could say that you could say that throughout capital markets. And that's the argument for Satoshi's white paper, you know, 15 years ago. Ultimately, fiat and traditional finance is built on trust. US dollars built on trust. Everything's built on trust. And then we rely on things like auditor reports once a year. That's trust. You trust that point in time. You trust those auditors. But it's been proven that's not always right. So I think if you get to complete transparency, if you move, I don't know, a decade forward and everything is on chain, and, and I really mean that, so I mean tokenization of a lot of traditional finance assets, then it shouldn't really be trust. It should be truly trustless because you can see the underlying collateral, right? So you can see those T-bills, you can see those dollar assets, you can see those tokenized assets. Um, this scenario was where they went out, so it was 80% was roughly dollars and T-bills and 20% was in cash with other banks. So that bit, there must always be a doubt on that. It can't just be trust. Because, you know, time and again in our lifetime and going back many decades, banks have gone bust at times. So that's not just purely trust, that's credit ratings, um, that's risk management, that's good corporate governance, it's all of that. So I think it's possible you can get there with transparency. And it's certainly not, in my mind, it's not 100 and zero. For what it's worth, when USDC depegged over the weekend, it was the wrong price. So to be clear, when it was trading at 90, it was the wrong price. Assuming their last audit I saw in January was correct. Uh -huh. I mean, the, the right price was about 97 cents if you assumed if you assumed a, a write-off, a certain amount of write-off of the SVB balances. So 90 was definitely oversold. But in and around, I think if you're looking at anything, 
pegged like that, it shouldn't be. It's not just trust. There should be transparency and full disclosure of the assets. And to be fair to them at Circle and USDC, I think they got pretty close. So, what does this mean for stablecoins broadly? <laughs> I mean, this was supposed to be our big. This is our big use case, the darling of the space. And now, I, I don't know. A bit of it's put into question. Yeah. Do you know right now? I don't know if this is the, the best time or the, or the worst time. So I think as a crypto industry, it needs to grow up, right? It's now quite old. It's 15 years old. So crypto industry needs to grow up, and it's we ca it can't be like emerging markets constantly emerging, all those up-and-coming property areas that are always up-and-coming. Sometimes it needs to up-and-come. So the whole idea is that we can em embrace traditional finance, but you track this back to where, where's the trust been lost back to that word again? Well, the sort of personality culture that you saw in 2022. So it seemed to have nothing to do with the uh, viability of business models or companies, but all about personality. You had this cult like, so instead of looking at, you know, how we can really embrace, follow the thread of the capital, how we can really embrace the biggest pools of money of assets in the world. And there was still no on-ramps for that. So whilst the evangelists can, can sit there and say, you know, Bitcoin's proving itself today, one day, or crypto is, it's still tiny, you know, it's half a percent of all the assets. So I think now we're going to, we have to rebuild. We have to rebuild better. There's no doubt about that. Can't do that. Um, the industry can't do it on its own without regulatory help. But then, but then the industry has to embrace that regulation and has to embrace those frameworks if you really want this to take off. And if people really see this as replacing um, something like gold, you know, there's no point in fighting the regulators. You've seen that today. The, 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 power, the power is great. You've seen that in the United States of America. You know, what is, what's, the, what are, what's everyone going to do in the United States um, involved in crypto if the approach is to fight the regulators, you need to work with the C SEC, the CFTC, and the Fed. Otherwise, other jurisdictions are just going to take it, right? And that's what's going to develop. Because make no mistake, digital digital assets or digitized finance is coming, right? Tokenized assets will be de rigueur a decade from now. And you need, in this new effectively blockchain ledger, you're going to need some digital assets to move along it. And they're going to be all digitized TradFi assets. If you want crypto, traditional crypto to work, you're going to have to be able to prove that you have a framework where you're protecting consumers, where you have financial stability, and where um, innovation can still be harnessed. So I, 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 think, I think everyone has to have a long, hard look at themselves. Otherwise, it's going to be small forever. I mean, it's not even, it's not even a desk in a bank right now. Right or a desk in a proprietary trading firm, it is tiny. So, and it's 15 years old. It's quite old, right? We really need to see this develop. My personal belief, if they, I think most of the regulators around the world have spoken about regulating stable, regulating stable coins. That would be a good start. But there is there is a a loss of anonymity on that. There's no doubt about that. There might be a loss of some privacy. But we're going to have to be pragmatic if we really believe. Um, in this, in the, in the crypto industry, so I don't think it's over. 
I think for now is that there's a big pause in the United States, but I don't think it's over globally. Uh, my personal belief is that it will be onwards and upwards, but we're in for a difficult few months. Do you still believe that stable coins have an important future in FX? Well, again, it, if that traditional financial asset is digitized, then there has to be some stable collateral. I don't, I don't really care what you call it, a stable coin of sort. But look, this is part of the reason that um, you've had these rapid implosions of banks. Information goes faster and money can flow faster. So that should be the whole idea in traditional finance, that we can settle more quickly, we can pay people more quickly. At the moment, you very simply can't move fiat currency that quickly. You certainly can't move fiat currency that quickly cross-border. So you're going to need a, as I say, a digit, some form of digital collateral. Call it a stablecoin if you like. So yes, I do. So what's it look like today on the, on the ground there at LMAX Digital? Um, Bitcoin's rallying. I think it's up like 8%. Yeah, eight to ten percent, twenty-two thousand or twenty-four thousand. Let's check the price on top of the blocks website. Brought to you by Elmax Digital. Thank you, Frank. Twelve point four three percent. There we go. What, what do you think's behind that? Is this just a you know be your own bank narrative? Who's who are the buy flight to quality? What do you want to hold right now? What do you want to hold? Do you want to hold your dollars in one of the crypto banks that we know are no longer available? Do you want to hold it in USDC that depegged de to, to 90? I think erroneously so, incidentally. Or do you want to hold Bitcoin? And do you want to trade around that? So I, I think it's that. I think it's a, if you look today, there's a big gold um, pump as well in the market. So that's it, digital gold. That's what's behind, that's what's behind that. In terms of the markets, look, thankfully, you know, the biggest proportion of our business is in, is in foreign exchange, um, foreign exchange markets like volatility. There's a lot of that today. So we'll have um, a record day, certainly over the last six to 12 months. So vol's, vol's good. In crypto, there's just uncertainty. The big thing is everyone can trade and they're trading Bitcoin. They're still trading BTC USD, but it's not that easy to settle right now. And in fact, there's a, a lack of clarity. It's still early in the day in the United States about um, moving dollars from signature and the fungibility say between signature and usdc and then looking at the other potential payment rails with the ever diminishing dollar off ramps that we see in the united states so yeah it's tricky but not it's not tricky from a markets perspective it's not tricky from a from a trading perspective it's tricky from a back office perspective and a settlement perspective have you ever wanted to use DeFi without being seen? Railgun is a leading DeFi privacy solution on Ethereum. And it's also a leading privacy solution operating across Binance Smart Chain, Arbitrum, and Polygon too. Shield your funds and use them privately on your favorite DeFi apps. Railgun's cutting edge zero knowledge system encrypts your data from public view. And yes, that includes DEX trading. DeFi and privacy together at last. Visit railgun.org to find out more. 
This episode is also brought to you by Flare, an EVM-based layer one blockchain with secure access to information from other chains and the internet. Flare State Connector acquires detailed transaction data from blockchains and information from Web2 APIs in a decentralized way, so it can be used securely, scalably, and trustlessly in applications running on the network. Paired with the Flare Time Series Oracle for decentralized price and time series data, Flare delivers a developer focused blockchain with secure native access to more off-chain data than ever before. Build better and connect everything at flare.network. So what's the what's the pipeline of new crypto clients look like? <laughs> I would have given you a very different answer, answer three months ago and six months ago. That's for sure. What would the answer have been six months ago? The banks were coming. I don't think that's the case in 2023 now. That would be my message um, six months ago. And more importantly, I would have said the biggest asset managers in the world are coming. That won't be the case this year either. I think long-term it's the case, Frank. But this is the ebb and, fl ebb and flow of a nascent market. But you know, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. The industry, using a sort of British saying, needs to wise up, right? We can't always be up and coming. Right, we can't always be challenging the status quo. You know, we need to be pragmatic. So, how can we? How can we grow up? What are some of the key ways we can take off our training wheels? Well, let's have a look at it. Let's have a look at what everyone, everyone that uh, you know, many of the of the evangelists have celebrated over over the last decade. Let's you know act as regulated. You know, at all times. You know, what you saw is. Think of the celebration around, around what was going on in the Bahamas before the implosion in November. I mean, come on, it just wasn't possible. It was too good to be true. The celebration, you know, that, that personality cult of other derivatives um, that we saw certain people wearing ankle braces, et cetera, the celebration of, of the stable coin. So first of all, let's just look at it in real terms, right? Let's stress the market. Say, like, what happens in this scenario? Right, because everyone's making money and everyone's a hero when there's a bull run and, and you know crypto's going from Bitcoin's going from three the three thousand four thousand range during COVID to sixty thousand dollars. Everyone's a hero. Everyone's everyone's smart. But guess what? This happens in capital markets all the time. So let's do that. But I think number one is you must operate as regulated. Don't sit around waiting for regulators. That's what we've done at we've done at LMAX Digital since the start. Right, we've operated as if regulated, following best practice throughout the rest of our group. Right, so, I mean, come on, everyone is doing everything in crypto. There's a reason capital markets has developed the way it has. There's a reason why, you, right at the very top of the pile, you have segregation of duties, you have separation of powers. So why don't we do that for a start? Right, why don't we segregate client funds? Why don't we do that for a start? Okay, so there's some really easy things to do. Why don't you get a top auditing firm? Right? Mm -hmm. Why don't you prove that? And it's okay, by the way. At the moment, if there's no if there's no banking rails, it's okay. You can still operate in crypto, but operate as a bona fide um, company. So that's what we have to do. And then we have to engage with regulators, with banks, perhaps give up some of that anonymity, perhaps give up some of that privacy, because you believe in the underlying and you want the market to grow. So there's just a, a few tips. 
and I think everyone has to do it. Uh, everyone has to do it collectively. There's been a lot of navel gazing and people trying to challenge existing regulators. Why would we do that, right? And why would they listen? Why would they listen for such a small what is today such a small part of the overall capital markets landscape? Why would they? Right? There's perfectly good regulation out there, and of course, it's always evolving. It's always tweaked. I'll give you one good example, right? Derivatives were relatively new in the 90s, relatively new, right? The biggest banks in the world started working with derivatives. And guess what? They worked with the regulators. They tweaked existing regulation, right? They effectively wrote the reporting and the regulation around that. And now these are treated as, stand as standard. You know, younger guys like you come into the market and they're just standard. They're, 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 they're part of everything, everything you learn on capital markets. Not for me. They were brand new when I was starting Mm -hmm. uh, in the 90s. We need to do the same with crypto, right? You have to have some sort of coalition. So I think there is precedent there, but fighting the status quo all the time isn't going to work. I feel like we could learn a bit from the UK's environment. Well, the UK, I, I think, I wouldn't say we're that advanced, but the approach is typically British, is typically sane, is typically pragmatic and i think typically can be executed right so what we're doing is or what all the consultations are about is regulating by activity rather than product right and then trying to use things i alluded to there um, the large swathes of regulation that exist for example anti-money laundering lots of that exists of that of that that framework exists and that regulation just let, let's see if we can use that market abuse, um, market surveillance. We look at um, protecting consumers, lots and lots and lots of well thought out regulation we can use. So it seems to me that's the, that's the approach the UK is taking in their consultation and I hope they'll get there, but don't get me wrong. You know, the U S is the biggest capital market in the world. So everyone's looking over there at the moment and going, wow, should we be, taking more of that approach. I think not, but that said, I mean, the EU, the UK, and the Asian regulators, if they're going to diverge from the US, um, probably need to do it relatively quickly so that they can become the hub for this new asset class. Mm. So where do you think the markets go from here? I mean, we saw this route in bank stocks kind of continue despite the emergency measures taken by the Fed. Will we stabilize? What I wonder. It must be a busy day over there at LMAX. Yeah, look, it's good. Interest rates are good for foreign exchange. That's yep. always, always been built on that. Really good. But I think that's the uncertainty at the moment, right? So I, I saw something that says there's so many hundred billion dollars of unrealized losses on fixed income debts. That's just a mm. fact, right? You were for a long time we were in a low interest rate environment. They've gone up in a hurry, so people are sitting effectively on mark to market losses. So. You have to look at the sort of at the reserve banks and, and think they're going to be okay. But we want to have, you know, we need to have choice. Certainly in the United States, we have to have choice. So you totally expect, you totally expect bank stocks to be sold off today. I suppose we're looking for a a change in interest rate policy. Yeah, I, Goldman Goldman expects that the Fed will probably not hike rates in March after the Silicon Valley Bank failure. Yeah, I mean, it was predicted to be 50 bips, and then they revised them 25 bips. That's what it looks like, because otherwise you're going to have this disparity. Remember, these mark-to-market losses, 
everything that was realized when you saw this in SVB, they had to realize those losses. So um, it's a tough time in fixed income. I, th I think perhaps the whole of the world's been used to low interest rates for, for too long, um, for the last decade, and they've kind of been forgotten, but they're very, very important. And that's, for me, that's that's really why you're seeing the the bank, the bank stock sell off. But you know, it's not that great, Frank, if you look at it. So it's a few percent. It's exactly what you'd, what you'd expect. It's probably oversold right now. Yeah, yeah. I'd expect it to bounce back. I think that's a fair point, right? Because, I mean, to your point, this should have been somewhat expected, right? Like we, we had a feeling or a sense. And the Fed, I think, had a degree of comfortability with breaking something as as part of the endeavor to curb inflation. The, the, the ends justified whatever means would yep. sort of hit. And and that's what we're seeing now. And it shouldn't be that surprising. It shouldn't be. For me, this is just typical market correction on that. I think it will, I honestly think it will bounce. And I think ultimately you're looking at good companies, good banks. I mean, look, people go, okay, there's tech fear. They're going out there and they're selling everything on NASDAQ. There's banking fear. They'll go and sell the big names. But actually nothing's changed in those big names from last Wednesday to today, nothing. Mm. But they're, you know, how do you, how do you lighten up your portfolio or how do you short something? That's where you, that's where you go. So look, I think it's inevitable. There's some uh, interest rate quantities out there, but I just think the, the market will take this in its stride and um, you might have a choppy couple of days. We'll see. I think also the good thing is we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a shakeout. There's a lot of other small banking names uh, mm. that will be under review. Signature may not be the last one. Let's see. So it's the, um, I guess the sell-off is that is saying, oh, this could be there could be contagion. But to, to be clear, the size of this is nothing like two thousand eight. So I don't see that scenario happening. It's funny, you know. Um, this is kind of tangential, but Silicon Valley Bank three years ago wasn't as big as it is now. Like this is a this is part of the you know COVID risk asset mania that propelled stocks. I mean, I think it's it's 5x in in its assets over the past few years. Yeah. Sounds sounds about right. I'm going to spend most time reviewing it, I must confess. <laughs> this is all I've been doing this weekend. What else are you excited about or what else is cooking over there? Oh, look, overall I think you know, if I look at if I look at our group, you know, we're here for the long term you know for my sins i've been at i've been running lmax for 12 years now and i enjoy it so i guess we're we're, we're in for the long haul now and look overall our mantra at lmax group is to try and build fairer markets that's a lofty goal you know we can't do it on our own but i think the point there is we believe in market structure we want to build a better market structure across the asset class that we're involved in so that's everything from fx to FX to crypto, one of those is one of those is well established but not perfect. So if you look at the foreign exchange market, you know, there's been a big, big change in the last decade. Right, the whole mm -hmm. electronification of the market's been a big, big change. It's the biggest um, asset class in the world. World trades nearly eight trillion dollars every day. So it's had a, it's had to adapt to a lot of change. I wouldn't say it's perfect today. So we're trying to do our bit to make that market structure more effective. It has its own challenges. And then with those learnings, to do the same in crypto. Again, 
you know, and my interest in crypto is so that it's available to as wide a market as possible. You know, if it just stays where it is at the moment, just as a retail product, then you're not going to need any institutional exchanges, right? I mean, it, I think if everyone looks around today, they're going to say, well, LMX Digital is probably the biggest or maybe the only true institutional only crypto exchange. That's what we do. We only trade with we only trade with institutions. But the whole idea is we try and create a better ecosystem for all. So really, that's what we're looking at. I think what's interesting and what keeps us coming to work every day, Frank, is this is why we're in capital markets. Things change. I mean, honestly, I would have talked to you about banks coming on board, about proper bank custodians, about crypto markets going on an institutional basis. 24-7, that's seeping into foreign exchange, so you have weekend FX markets. I would have talked to you about that last year. I still think long-term, that's where we go. That's where we end up. But short-term, no, that's not going to happen in 2023. So we're going to say, right, what does new crypto look like? What does crypto 2023 look like? What's an effective market structure for that? Do we need to embrace? Suddenly, it's like, okay, we're going to have to embrace DeFi more. We're going to have to embrace truly, a truly crypto-only ecosystem. So these challenges are non-trivial, but they're also interesting, and I think they can be solved. And whenever there's solutions in capital markets, they normally pervade through the rest of the market. So our long-term goals haven't changed, and I think our short-term ones will change and have changed since November and have changed since the... Um, the couple of bank shutdowns that you've seen over the past week. So um, I think watch this space. But one thing's for sure is that we'll be in all our markets for many years to come. And I do still believe that those markets will converge. Um, still, we're plugging ahead, launching um, our exchanges in Asia, launching fiat and digital side by side for the first time in Singapore. So, yeah. I'm still excited, but make no mistake, the market is not frothy. And I don't think everyone's looking around thinking 2023 is going to be their record year. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not for me either. <laughs> Maybe for podcast listeners. Who knows? We'll see. Well, David Mercer, thanks for taking the time to be on the show. Good to be with you today, Frank. Um, good luck and um, good luck to everyone out there um, in navigating these stormy weathers. You know, just when you think it can't get worse, it somehow manages to. It always does, but then it gets better. And then it gets better. And then you're like, actually, it wasn't that bad. Correct. That's a lesson I'm learning. <laughs> where, can we, um, where can we learn more about what you're working on? What's the website? What's the Twitter handle? Just invite me back more often, Frank. But yeah, mercer.david at lmax.com. You know, David, if we look at the... The, the archives of the records. I, I think you're you're close to uh, the top record number of episodes underneath Mr. Bankman Freed and uh, our friend Kristen Smith. You're either at four or five. I have to check. Maybe that's just because I've been around longer. Sam got to eight, I think. See what I'm saying? Celebration of personalities, <laughs> personality cults. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> all right. I'll see you soon then. Cheers, dude. Cheers. The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.